it was a, so they gave me local local uh, anesthesia, and they built a little wall so your mind, because you're inquisitive and you're awake, so you won't look at what's happening. Yet. They built a little wall, and then you're just laying there, and they're all on this side of the wall, working on your leg. And there's a big one of those big aluminum pots, like that, or bowls that they put the lights in, you know, so they make it really bright. So I was laying there, just looking at that light. And what occurred is the, there was a, let's say the cell thing got startled, and there was uh, one of those pauses, but it was a very sweet pause. It was super drenched with peace and love and whatever. And in that moment of awareness of that, all history was released or erased, as if it never was so. So let's say you believe your 40 years or 50 years is like a whole line of chalkboards and with all this chalk marks on it. It was erased so quickly, the very strong hit was it could never have been real if it could have been erased that fast. All the thinking of 40 years, and the thinking of 40 years is now, but that feeling of history and time that the mind produces, this illusion, and it sort of feels like you've been here and all this, was erased like that, yeah? Like that. And most of the time when any of those events are, let's say, an epiphany is given, there's really one of the biggest hits, there is no time. So right now, all the feeling of missing or frustrated or losing, longing, all of that will never be remembered. Seriously. It has no, no lasting effect. It just goes away. It's all a mental experience produced by the mind. It's no reality. It's just a freedom. And a freedom not from anything, because you don't remember anything. You really don't. I mean, there was no feeling of ever being here. So, this whole idea of, you know, like a lot of people, I saw one teacher talk about it, and he, the lady got up there, and they were interviewing, whatever, you know. In the old days, some people had someone come up, and they, the lady was talking about her longing for the truth, and she had this longing, but it seemed like she always missed it, you know. But the longing, you don't understand my longing for the truth, and the disappointment in my life, because I don't feel like I've, acknowledge the truth when it was presented, the longing, and it's sort of like a bus pulls up, and the bus driver says, get in, and you're going, you're sitting at the bus stop going, but the longing, no, get in now, no, you don't understand, I've missed the bus in the past, I know, get in now, no, the longing, it's that, it's that immediate, yes, yes, the longing is a mental experience, the immediacy of this is, there's no one who's been waiting, or no one who missed a boat, or nothing like this. This whole thing will be forgotten as if it never happened. I've overdosed a number of times. Seriously. I've died, like, at least clinically four or five times this lifetime. And I'll tell you, there was no one hovering around. I'll share something with you. Here. In Buddhism, they talk about some Buddhist practices are basically just getting yourself ready for the moment of death. Sort of like that's the bus coming to the bus stop. Yeah, sort of. This is just the waiting for the bus stop. The whole point is to be to get on the bus when the bus comes, which is the moment of death, let's say. So okay, so here I am every day, and the mental experience, the presentation of me as a self and light based on self-centeredness, has become dominant, and I'm in the habit of foregoing conscious contact and just relying on 
the mental experience, its interpretation of what's happening. Yeah? And every day it keeps representing life to me, and I'm not to me, but to you know, mind represents life, and there's a to me in that representing. Yeah? So there's a to me in the representing. It's making up a sense of being a self in the representing. So it takes conscious contact and represents it as you somehow being the one who's in contact. And every day, in time, this whole little thing, you're believing that. So you're really on a time delay. There's something happening. You're not conscious while it's happening. And then the mind tells you what happened. So it interprets. So it interprets a past event, really. Because by the time you get the interpretation, that's over. So something happened, and then the mind reacts to it, and now it makes it, it represents it. So it takes what happened and makes it into what it wants to be happening. So it's like playing God. So forget the moment, and it, it gives you an interpretation. So now this moment, you're in the interpretation, let's say, of the last moment. Yeah? And then the next moment will be the interpretation of this last moment. And so basically... You're missing every moment, in a sense, because you're in an interpretation. The interpretation of the last moment is filling up this moment. You're not conscious of this moment because you're in the interpretation of the last moment. I'm not conscious of the next moment because I'm in the interpretation of that last moment I missed. So here, here you go. And so by this time, you have just been spoon-fed an interpretation. You're totally believing there's a self and everything's based on doing and having and this is real and everything like that. So what happens if, at the last moment, because there's only a, a certain finite amount of time here in this little linear story, yeah? the body's going to end. And so what happens if you get to that point where what we call death is going to occur? So death occurs, and you're almost in limbo land because you're waiting to hear your mind's interpretation of that moment, but there's no other moment coming. So the moment of death you're basically unconscious to because you need another moment for the interpretation that you just died to come. And that thing's never going to be able to tell you you just died because it dies with the apparatus. The narrator isn't hovering above this sort. It doesn't have a body. It's a product of this. When this product dies, it dies. So you're waiting to hear from your all-knowing one what the hell happened to you. It's over. (laughs) But it's over. (laughs) So in a sense, you missed the bus, in a way, because you haven't been (laughs) present. Well, to you, see? But see, life is happening to you as in two things. Life seeming to happen that way, there's a you it produces. There has to be a certain viewing to see life happening this way. If this changes, life will seem to be different, yeah? It's not two different things. Like, life is not happening to Donna, and then something new will happen to Donna. Donna and life's happening is a whole product of the mental process. And so this is giving a lot of meaning to seemingly that. But, so, but, but isn't like life's process, that, that's a form that consciousness is, is taking? Well, it's, it's not a that, form. It's taking that, it's manifesting 
Seemingly to who? You. How can you be sure it's taking this form? Because it's happening. To who? <laughs> What's acknowledging it's happening, yes, is part of what's happening, the mental process. Consciousness isn't saying, isn't, it's just seeing, yeah? And that seeing is not happening. There is something that's happening that's saying this is happening. So, it's, what's saying it's happening, just this way, is part of the happening. It's not what's seeing the happening. The seeing is the consciousness or the awareness, yes? That's offered in all, every moment of happening, there's the seeing of it. But what's making a statement about it's just happening is part of the happening. So, who's running the show? Like, if there's just seeing and then there's happening, and the happening isn't making happening happening, like, what's, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would sit with just that. You want your need to know, because that's not you either. That's just the need to know. The need to know has significance because there's a you that thinks it needs to know. Needing to know is just what happens here. But all of it's drenched in meaning by the mental process, which is just happening here, based and pivoted on being a self. Because when you go, what's happening here, it means a lot to you. It doesn't mean anything to what's happening. Yeah? And there'll be someone on the street who has absolutely no meaning in it. They don't give a shit about what's happening. They want to get home and watch the soccer game or something. So, if me doesn't exist, as a, you know, me doesn't exist, then well, what's giving it the energy? The, the, all the questions and the... There's another one to ask. Well, it's just a sit, sit, but, yeah, but, and, and asking in a way that it's like entertaining. Not a need, not a wanting an answer, just asking. That's the form of entertaining. Just in that state of I don't know. So it's always a question, but it's not seeking an answer anymore. Yeah? I'm telling you, that's the best source of knowledge here as a way of traveling is to be in a state of always asking a question but not, no need for an answer. Yeah? Or the I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, know why? Because if the, the object of the picture framed is trying to figure out the painter's intention, why it painted this way, and why am I located in this little part of the painting, and why is this big thing around me that I can't get over, and stuff like that. Why, 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 why? How could the object in the painting ever, ever comprehend the artist's intention? Because it can only think out of the box of the frame. Yeah? Our wanting to know if it's hoping for an answer is part of the process of self-centeredness, of the mental process. Your staying in the I don't know is actually a portal out of that, in a way. But wanting an answer is part and parcel of how we know here, in self-centeredness, as a self. All that self-knowledge is going to avail you nothing, because it's not going to lead to freedom from self. 
like we say in recovery, self-knowledge avails you nothing. And people go, why is self-knowledge, how could that not avail me something? Well, if a knowledge is claimed by self, or by, let's say, you don't think it's you claiming it, but the system of self-centeredness is claiming all of the knowledge, yeah, then that self-knowledge will avail you nothing, because it will not lead you from the freedom of the system. You're wrapped in the system, within the system, within the system, within the system. Every escape hatch isn't an escape. It says escape. You think, oh, I know my answer's right above, right on the other side of that door. Then you open that door, and you grab the answer, and then a giant question arises. Let's open another ladder. Oh, this, oh, this is it. We're getting, this is the escape from the dream. That's the dream. There is no escape. You ever, I think there's a book called The Wisdom of No Escape. Yeah? The Wisdom of No Escape. For me, the wisdom of no escape, there's nothing to escape from. The best solution of being in of something is realize you were never in it. That's the best way to be quote-unquote out of it. You realize you were never in it. What, you, what we are, really, is consciousness being conscious of. The mental process is presenting what we are as an object being the one that's conscious. So Paul, this, becomes conscious. And it cannot see outside this limitation of identification. So all your questions are defined by the system. And so the answer also will be defined by the system. Self can't get out of self. It's the dilemma. A mental process, a product of it, can never possibly get out of what made it. Because it wouldn't exist anywhere other than in disappearance. You see? It's not like Donna and Paul are going to leave here and be and have a sense of being Donna and Paul. There are only Donna and Pauls here in this appearance. If you left the realm of this realm called self-centeredness, the other realms don't have self as the center. There's no self. <laughs> you want to leave here to go to a heaven. Heaven is the absence of you. Heaven is the absence of self-centeredness. Here, only heaven and hell can appear. But true heaven, I would say, is the absence of the whole system of self-centeredness. Yeah. How could a product of that system transcend it and go to another totally foreign system? Because it would not exist there. Yeah. Self can't get out of self. So the questions is we're, we're attempting to chlora. You ever see that old Twilight Zone where there's these people wake up in the bottom of a big bin, you know? And one has a uniform on, one has a dress on, like a ballerina, one's got a clown thing, and they're all sitting there, and they're wondering how they got here and what's going on. But their identification's intact. They believe they're a ballerina and a clown, and they don't understand that's the whole situation. So they're like struggling with this, and they see this light, but they can't, it's the walls are perfectly smooth and they're trying to climb up and they fail miserably every freaking time, yeah? And they're all bewoning their life and they think about their past life. I was just performing in this big show and how did I end up here and who are you and what did, oh, I'm a, I was with the circus this week and the guy goes, oh, I'm a captain of a boat. What happened? 
Now I'm in this big thing, and they hear stuff, and they're looking outside, and they're trying to get out and trying to figure it out. What the fuck happened? Just that it's impossible. Self can't get out of self. Then they realize the, the, the thing lifts, and they see you see their dolls in the bottom of a big bin. And there's a salvation on They hear this big bell every, every once in a while. What's that? It's the end of the world. And there's a guy ringing the bell asking for donations for Christmas. And these are dolls that were thrown in there. But the doll has taken itself to be a subject and is trying to figure out. It cannot possibly entertain. It's in a bin with dolls. It just can't get it. So the sound is like an earth-shattering event. What's that sound? And the... What's that light? And what's the, yeah? Their little heads, framed by their identification as being a living person, cannot cannot entertain what's going on. They cannot find a solution to it. It's impossible. Self can't get out of it. Yeah. That's what we're attempting to do here, in a way, just bring you to points where the fence of self-centeredness you you run into. Yeah? And you realize, Jesus, everywhere I go in self-centeredness, I run into something where the way you know or grok or understand gets fundamentally whacked. It just cannot... You know? Like when you hear people say, everything is just as it is, and you just go, yeah, and yet you keep trying to find your relevance in that. Well, but I have to entertain that. No, you can just keep on going exactly as what's happening, and it's still just as it is. But where am I? Where do I? Where can I insert myself in there? I, it must be something that I have to do to entertain all there is. Yeah, but the person goes, no, just this present moment, and that's all there is. <sighs> it's like running into the parameters of the system and just not being able to, because we want to appear outside of it, but you can't entertain being outside of it because you're a product of this little ranch. Yeah? Your whole world is defined by this mental experience because you're identified as a product of it. Yeah? Even recognizing all there is is consciousness is seemingly recognized by you, not by consciousness. Yeah? The invitation, all there is is consciousness. Yes, yes, all there is is consciousness to who? Me. No. All there is is consciousness. Okay, I got it. Okay, all there is is consciousness to the not me. No. It's not the me nor the not me. Oh, let's see. Let me figure this out. I've got to get in there somewhere. Yeah, it drives you crazy. But the thing that's driving crazy is in you. That's the good news. And hopefully... If it's driven crazy enough, there'll be a point where something will crack. You know when someone has like a psychic break? Something gets so bad and then suddenly something breaks and it just That's what I that's what happened with me in like cocaine basic psychosis in a way. My head thought the way it was gonna get out of this whole place was I'm gonna do so much coke, shoot up coke, and I'm gonna stretch my mind out so taut that when it's and just stay there, as taut as it can be, that it would snap and I'd be out of here. Now I'm here to tell you it didn't work, but I tell you I was the perfect devotee of it. I took that path as I never did anything else perfectly, like 
vipassana and following a teacher, none of that. Taking this, hearing, reading all the books, never. But doing drugs, I took, I, I was a perfect devotee. I did it as far as you could take it. So I was there, I was, and I'd be up seven days, and my girlfriend, people would come over, and my girlfriend said, this guy, this is his religion, and it was. I'd be making the coke, and it's like, and just, just try to just, and just handle the tweak, and just, just keep seeing, yeah, or whatever. And then it would snap, and I'd be freed from this freaking thing. It would just break open, and I'd be free. Well, it didn't happen, because the self can never be free from the system it's a product of. That's incredibly frustrating to the mind and selfing. Seriously. We're all civilized, so when we're at these meetings and you have your big teachers come in and you're all sitting there, but you're fucking pissed, really. You know, deep down. You're going, fuck. I'm sick of this fucking guy acting like he's traveling lights, you know. Oh, let me get this thing. Let me. All right, now i I got to not get this thing. How do I not get it? He says, let me try the same system on getting it to not getting it. <laughs> it can't get out of itself. That's the real frustration. Most answers here are based in the system. Yeah? Most answers that we knew before this whole little flux of Advaita and everything came in were doing and having answers. We can fit ourselves around that. Yeah? That's manageable. I can understand a guy or woman having something I don't have that I want and them telling me, if I do and have certain things, I can pretty much, I mean, usually they make sure I know I'll never get there, but I'll get somewhere close to there, if I do this, yeah? And then I can join with others, and magnify that attempt, so I get together with other people of like mind, and we start living a life of a certain practice. That's, that's manageable in mental experience, it is. It may be difficult, it may be really hard, but it's really not a chore to that. It understands it, yes, all right, I can improve myself if I do in half, yes? If I do different things, I will be better. It's, it's totally self-centered, it's, it's totally okay. Then there's a message comes around that you have absolutely nothing to do with it. Everyone's excited about that message, let's say the first year or two. Yeah? But it doesn't seem like it's translating after about five or six years. So, one person comes into town, offers you the message. And you like them or not. And yet, you rush to the next person who comes to town, and they offer you the same thing. You're getting nothing, but you're hoping there's going to be something in it for you. <laughs> yeah? And so now the seeking gets applied to this message. But this message will really frustrate seeking, because really you're getting nothing. And you can't return it there's no, you can't want, and there's really nothing to do. I mean, people, most people aren't giving you anything to do, really. I'm not saying, that's why these are difficult for me, these four hours, because you really don't need four hours to entertain this, it's just a second. But I'm happy to do it, it's fun to get together. Yeah? But there's no purpose to it, really. You don't, if you don't get it the first hour, you're never going to get the fourth hour, nor are you ever going to get the 80th hour, because there's nothing to get. That's the message, and that's what infuriates the mind and self Jesus Christ, I don't know any other way. I can't entertain I am it, because I'm already entertaining I'm something already. It's difficult to do two things at the same time. So I'm entertaining, the mind is entertaining I am this, yes? And now this wants to entertain it something other than this. 
But how it's going to entertain it is as this. Yeah? So here I am entertaining things as this. Someone comes in and gives me a new message. You're not that. So now I'm going to entertain it as this, that I'm not this. Very frustrating to the dissing. It is. The selfing, you know, they, you may like it for a while, and then you get through all the books, and then maybe, what's his name, comes out with another book, and, you know, you get into it for a while. But really, you know, it just becomes like everything else. You know, you know, every, I mean, most of you probably met every teacher, or you've read a lot of books, or whatever, or Eckhart Tolle, and everything like that. And all different takes, and then other people have different opinions of those people, and it goes on and on and on. But it gets to be the same old, same old in a lot of ways, yeah? The self-centeredness reigns supreme. Because there's an identification as the mental process. And so you can only have this experience translated through the mental process. And it's a very small system of interpretation. And what a lot of us are doing, we're running into the parameters of it, and it's really flipping us out. Frustrated. If you weren't civilized, you'd be like fucking cursing probably right now. You're fucking sitting here. No matter how many herbal teas they gave us and, you know, orchids and stuff, we'd like fucking, I want it now! Let's go! You know, like hit someone and drag them in the cave. Yes, that's it. No more end of story. No more nice guy. How did you get it? I want to know right now. So it's a frustrating situation to a you. And that frustrates you. Doesn't it bothers you after a while? Everyone turns it. They say something and you go, yeah, and then two of you. Oh, mother. I hate that little little hook, you know? Oh, yeah, the world is real as long as, as much as you are. Oh, I hate that. No, yeah, because there's a sense of realness, isn't it? This isn't about the world becoming unreal with you as still feeling real. You just see everything is unreal and let it be as real as it wants to be. There's no need to make it unreal. Or to make it real. Let it appear just as it is, because it isn't. What's the big deal? But if it isn't to you, it may be an effort. Yeah? You're trying to make something appear as if it's not real, because it isn't to you, which is, this isn't real. <laughs> this is a waste of, you know, I'm not going to say it's a waste of time, because time is going on. But we're just attempting to bring just to enlarge in all our lenses so that maybe we see a, a bigger aspect of the picture. Yeah, because you are conscious, so you can become conscious of the limitations of self-centeredness. You can. Now, if you see that, that could, and the possibility is always available, it can shock you into a real, uh, like a deep disappointment because you really want to know things as you. You really do. People really want to be here to get it. They really want to be the one who gets it. Yeah. And maybe it hits you, and it's almost like a fatalistic hit. There's really, really nothing to do, and yet there's no one to stop all the doing. Yeah. I'm getting there's nothing really to do, but the only way that can translate to a mental experience is more doing. How am I going to do non-doing? And so every time you feel like you've come to the end of it, it shows another layer of the selfing. Yes? Until, hopefully, if you've seen enough layers where you finally feel like you're out of the realm and it's, still, and it's shown to you to still be a, a layer of that mental realm, the no realm, then something can occur where there's just an exhaustion. I don't know what. And the emphasis just shifts. 
emphasis, the living, like, hold of attention switches from self to context. And then, you'll see what happens. For me, the great benefit of the sense of being here is what senses it's here travels lighter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a... But if nothing else, isn't that what happens to everybody who comes and talks like this? Is that they do mean with the sense of light, being lighter. Yeah. So, um, We're all successes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the point. Because really, I don't believe truth has any value other than here. Because here, that can seem to be untruth. And if there seems to be untruth, then untruth will be able to have a meaning here, which could be suffering. So truth can relieve you of the untruth's meaning. Yeah? This will stop suffering. Because you'll realize you're not the sufferer. And to tell you, really, when the emphasis on the mental process as being the supreme activity... What a freaking relief. The biggest meaning you and I, this apparatus, can give to anything is that it's me. It really is. And we give meaning to things. This place is a subjective experience. There's no need to change that. That's the experience this place. It's subjective. Yeah? So this apparatus is giving meaning to everything. The biggest meaning you can give to anything is that it's me. As soon as it gives that meaning to a product of a mental process, then our whole framing of our experience here is by that mental process. We're living in and as and of that realm. And there's no escape from it as what we're taking ourselves to be. Because we're a product of it. Part of being in that realm is a desire to get out of that realm. If that desire is held or had by the self, that's part of being in the realm. And all the hope and all the experiences that you feel have demonstrated you out of the realm only seem to be trophies on the mantle of being in the realm. So the realm gets a little more habitable, you know, you can live in it better. <laughs> yeah? But still, the bondage to self is the supreme meaning giver. Yeah? You're giving everything. All the meanings that you can know with the mechanism that you know by will be products and defined by the system they're from. That's why in that system, you want an answer to questions where... In another system, the question that is the state of openness, the I don't know. Yeah. Here, that, an- that state of questions and self-centeredness is a need to know an answer. But you notice when you get your answer, does it actually do what you hoped it was going to do? It just, no. It causes you to question more and more answers and more questions and more answers. And in self-centeredness, that's what happens. Everything is... There's two sides of every coin. You can't cut a... You know, how many times you cut a coin, it's still two sides. So every answer has a question, question, answer. 
just like problem-solution. You believe there's a problem, even if you believe you're the problem, then there's a solution. Then there's a problem from that, obviously, because now you feel you're not getting it. <laughs> and then there's a solution to that. Uh, just don't go anymore to meetings, and then no, you still don't feel that great. And on and on. So it's just the problem isn't a problem. It's the problem-solution. It's the, it's the coin of the realm of mental experience, of duality. That's what we want to recognize. Not how much coin we have or how little we have, but the nature of the coin, which is what goes up, comes down, what gets close, gets a sense of being far, what can feel it's connected, can feel it's disconnected. Yeah? What's, what feels it's attained something, can entertain it, will lose it. It's just the way it goes. You cannot change that movement in self-centeredness. When they're seeing that you're not the center of that system, there's no need or desire to change the movement. It loses all meaning that it has now because the you is its primary center. That's the biggest meaning, and all the other meanings are generated by that meaning. Yeah? What's really important to you is more about you than the importance of that. Yeah? Surfing has an importance to me. Surfing isn't important in the sense it's important to me. For a lot of people, surfing has no importance. The importance of surfing is based on me, not on the surfing. So the importance of everything we're taking so seriously in the system is based on the center. If you see you're not the center, then the meaning that you've been taking to be real will change. Yeah? You and I are participants in this event. You and I are giving tons of meaning. Our minds are entertaining separation as real. It's our minds that are making this appearance seem real at all. The appearance is not. The appearance is just an appearance, but to us it's real. Just like today, this can be a problem, but tomorrow it isn't a problem. Then today it is a problem. The next day it is, based on my condition, how I'm feeling. Everything is like that. One day, the woman's the love of my life. The next day, I'm trying to avoid her. I just don't feel like seeing her the next day. And the next day, I really want to see her. What the hell? If she was a solid, real object of wanting to be seen, then why am I not wanting to see her all the time? Everything is meaning. Layers and layers of meaning. Mental realm. Meaning giving. An object taking itself to be the subject and making a realm where it can play God. Yeah? It's a real big problem if you're in that realm, as you. And then if you're not, it's not a big problem anymore. So was it a problem? No, of course not. It's the meaning you give it. Yeah? You don't think meanings are still given when there's no idea, no idea of you? There's never been a you. There's just meaning being given constantly. But the you, if that you is there, that has a very, that's a very strong uh, theme of meaning giving. So you're going to get a certain type of meaning. But when the you is identified as you, there's still tons of meaning being given, but they're different meanings. Yeah. Like something that was really important to you may not be important to you now. What used to be really important, not you, you know what I mean, the language, is now important. Like in recovery, we say you will lose interest in yourself and your little plans and designs, and you'll gain interest in others. It's just what happens when the mind shifts. 
what happened? The meaning was all about me, now it's not so much about me anymore. And therefore there's a freedom. From what? Me. What's available for me, because in, in recovery, service is a main linchpin of it. We have a triangle, you know, in recovery. One, tri- one side of it is unity, which means common purpose, you know. Then the other one's recovery, which is getting, you know, recovered from the disease of alcoholism. And the last one is service. So service is very important for an alcoholic. The alcoholic mind service is one of its best herbs, yeah. If you take the herb of service, you'll get relief from that, like the kidney deficient, yin, kidney deficient, yeah? It's because the disease of alcoholism is in the apparatus. It's in the mental part of the physical thing, yeah? It's not, it's not in the blood system or in the, uh, you know, you don't have a tumor. You can't take an x-ray and see it, so it's in there. So my experience with this over the years, because I did a lot of service when I first got into AA, and it was amazing because whatever condition I was in, we had these things where we'd go into institutions to bring a meaning to it. I went to the, one, the lowest rung of the ladder of the detoxes in San Francisco called Azanam, very intense little place. On the bottom floor, people who just wanted to sleep it off, they had just mattresses, yeah? And if you showed a desire that maybe you wanted to start thinking about recovery, you could stay for three days upstairs where they would direct you to a program or something have a chance for a new life. So we'd go there once a month. And no matter what condition my mental condition was in, after about 10 minutes, I'd be in a much different condition. And I'd feel great gratitude, which is a lovely thing to have an experience of here when you're grateful. And so I would be in grateful no matter what. something Because I did it for 12 years. Yeah? So I was in a, all the different types of mental experiences you can be in. Like my girlfriend had just left me or I had no money, whatever. I'd go in that room, after about 10 minutes, there would be a total shift. I'd get out of myself, yes, whatever you want to call it, the act of getting out of myself, and I would be filled with something other than the mental processes. So after years, I saw, because I, I like to look at things, yeah? My mind's curious how actually things are happening. Because I believe this dream is a structure. It's constructed. Yeah? You can actually see the blueprint of it. Most people are seeing the houses and the situations as real. But you can see the blueprint of this place. It's much easier to get out of a house before it's built than after it's built. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah? So most people are in what you would call a consequential level here. It's like they're in a hallway of shit and fans. Yeah? They don't know... The, they realize the shit hit the fan after they're wiping it off their face. That's on a consequential level. 
you really have no idea what's happening. You're just at the effect. Yeah. So your hope is that someone will turn off some of the fans and stop shitting. You know, you got to pray for others to change. <laughs> yeah. So that's a consequential level. Then there's the developmental level where you're introduced to this idea of being a self when you're young. And the more and more your hand of consciousness gets slipped into that identification, you lose the sense of being alive and you take an interpretation of life based on the glove, which is what's happening here. Yeah? If you look at it, if this was the world, I'll get back to this little story, but if this was a world of one sentence only, which was feeling, let's say, there was no seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and there was a lot of thinking about feeling. Yeah? You'd be having a mental experience, but only about the one realm of feeling. Yes? And so, and every one of us here, when we were very young, we, our ability to, our hands were slipped into a glove. And let's say your glove was more coarse than mine, and this would create the subjective experience of feeling. Yeah? So when I felt something, I only felt the interpretation through the glove. Everything would be rough to me because I have a coarse glove. Your glove may be a little finer, so you can maybe get a sense. Yeah, this feels pretty smooth. Yeah, you wouldn't have the direct experience of smoothness, but you'd get an interpretation based on the condition of your glove. So let's say you're really coarse, and let's say in this realm there's a scriptures, and one of the scriptures, of course, they're all in braille because the only thing you can do is feel it. Yeah. So one of the scriptures is the great scripture of realization, where they describe touching the petals of roses. The incredible softness of a rose, of the feeling of the petal. Or any flower, but let's say roses. And so people read these scriptures, and maybe they even go to temples where the supposedly roses are, and they go to have the experience of the rose, the experience of the rose. But what touches the rose is this coarse glove. So when they touch the rose, they feel the petal. There is a it seems to be happening. They've come, they've got to the rose bush, and they get led to it, and they're feeling it. But what they thought was being said in the scripture doesn't translate, because what's feeling the petal is this coarse glove. So no matter how much you feel the petal, it still seems rough to you. Now your head may make it a dogmatic experience, and now you have belief and faith that the petal is really soft, but it's not really true. And you'll make kill people who say different, really, because it's all in the head now. You, you, have, you believe that the petal's soft, but you never had the real revelation of the softness. Yeah? But your ability to is there. It's just that it's covered with a glove. This is what we're attempting to do here in a simple way. We're attempting to point out the contours and the sense of, of a life felt by a glove with the hopes that the hand will wake up. Yeah? Not wake up, because it's always awake. It's not, not a hand, yeah? But that hand will come to its senses that it's not the glove, let's say. See, my view, I don't want you to say, oh, I'm the hand. I just want you to, I don't, you know. My hope is, because this is how it works for me, I just see I'm not the glove. When I'm not the glove, that's like the possibility of taking it off dawns on you immediately. When you believe you're the glove, you never entertain the possibility of taking it off, because you think it's you. It's, there's no freaking way you're ever going to get to that simple solution. You're going to try to, how can I make it uncoarse? How can I do whatever? You know what I mean? How can I, some, maybe I'll touch everything with the back of my hand. You know, somehow, all these little gymnastics. But you'll never entertain because you're identified as it. But let's say, immediately you take the thing. Now you touch the pedal, and aha, 
the scripture becomes a living scripture. Now you comprehend what they were saying. You know the statement in your own gut. You don't have to take it by faith or hope or belief. You really, uh, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah? It's sort of pretty cool. So what I was talking about before, I just took off on this. Oh, the feeling of gratitude with the, of getting out of service, getting out of self, yes? So, so what happened is, in AA, I had a lot of opportunities to do service, yeah, a lot. Because so there's a lot of people who are in that mental realm, big time. Of course, there's no one in there. Let's not go into the absolute of the non-dual, you know, Pharisees view. Yeah? <laughs> Don't make it perfect, just see it. See it, it's messy. When it's appearing here. Yeah. So I would do service. Yeah. And I get an experience. And after a while, my head likes to look at blueprints. Oh, yeah, the blueprint room. So there's the consequential level. Then there's the developmental level, how we grew into the consequential level. Because consciousness is conscious, but somehow it has come to appear to be unconscious here. Yeah? When you were a baby, you were conscious, obviously. You see a kid, you have a walk, there's a my, the lady who owns my, the house I live in, she has a daughter who, who she takes care of their kids. So she's taking care of the newest one. It's only like year, 18 months old. When I walk out of my room in the morning, it's, it sees me, and it just goes like this as I'm walking by. <laughs> and then it just falls over because it can't go far enough. Because it can't walk yet. Yeah? But his awareness, it's like the most unbelievable hello, like a real greeting, because he's wide awake. He's just... Yeah? Yeah. So consciousness in the developmental states seems to become unconscious. The more and more what, it becomes conscious of the mental realm, obviously. The physicality isn't making you unconscious, the feeling, seeing, tasting, touching. But it's the mental realm's interpretation of the conscious content that makes you unconscious. Yeah? And so I, I grow into this idea of I'm being this person. So that's a developmental stage. So a lot of times you're still having moments of wonder and awe and this and that, but then it starts, the light seems to get sort of shaken, it's pulled down, and now you're in the consequential level. And even if you're very clear in something, you're still on a consequential level. Yeah? But the, the, the blueprint room is where consciousness is there, unenveloped by the mental process, and can see the mental process. It can see the making of selfing. It's, it's a verb. The mental process is verbing. It's only, its only ability to verb is because of consciousness. Consciousness is the animating oomph. Yeah? So now the mental process is verbing, and you see the sense of noun being built, which to me is awakeness. That's all. You see the birth and the death of self all day. That's what it does. It just constantly keeps... It births it. Because it's finite, it dies, but then it births it again. The mental process keeps attempting to reinvigorate the idea of self. Yeah? Now, once you start seeing it, it loses that juice because it's your juice that it's living off of. It's your juice that it plays God with. Your consciousness has to get enveloped in its idea to make it seem as real as it seems right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> so now you're in the blueprint stage, so you see it. There it is. So things are in the blueprint stage. So when a house is a house, just like in Buddhism it would be, you know, the mountain's a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there's a mountain. So now the houses of your situations are houses, then there aren't any houses, there's no real situation, then there are houses again. 
seems to be lots of situations. Yeah. House, you know, house? Yes, real as hell. I'm in that house. I can't get out of the house. No house. Oh, freedom. And houses again. But now you travel freely through the houses where before you were bounded by them. Bound and bound. Yeah. See the difference? It's just the difference of seeing, traveling. So here, all right. So I'm in a... I'm doing service, and when I did service, I had an experience, which I, I would claim, I would call being available. It's like the self, I came out of this ass of self, because I was so self-absorbed by helping someone else. Yeah? In that, my mental process would be startled, and my attention could escape, and, I, and it went to that person. And in my attention, not being caught in the mental process, I felt better. That's what happens, yeah? So I'm working with that person. I feel available. When you feel available, what do you feel? You feel presence. You do. You bump into what's everywhere, finally, because you're available to it. When you're in the mental realm, the mental realm, because it presents somewheres, it can exclude you from the fact of everywhereness. It really can. Only in time, but it can seem to exclude you. That's its illusion. So there I am, I'm feeling available, and I run into, I hit the, the presence, I sense the presence. But the system of self-centeredness would re-up and go, oh, I felt really great when I was helping this guy. Yeah? Or I felt really good, so I'm going to get another commitment. Well, it's all well and good. But it would all still be claimed by selfing. Until one time where, when the presence was revealed, I saw it as me. I didn't. I was seeing. I was seeing from the presence, not from me having an experience of the presence. But that's all the there is is the presence. And if that's the case, then I'm available. Yeah. Because what what can be more available than presence? It's not pastness or willens. It's presence. Yeah. So it's totally available. And I believe when you're available, that's being of service. Now, there's two ways of looking at it. You're looking at service as an experience you have, which will cause you to feel your outer self, or you can, eyes look at it the other way, which is this presence that's available and is of service all the time. I like that much better than uh, an infrequent experience based on what I do or don't do. I'd rather have it be a state that's not based on anything I do or don't do. I want everything that's really important to be out of my mental process's hands. <laughs> because if it isn't, <laughs> you know what it does. Your most cherished feeling of freedom given over to that will be a form of bondage. You'll be going to this person and that person, trying this and trying that. It's insane. Just like when you were a kid, you had a natural feeling of liking. And then as, as you got older and into the glove, liking was always analyzed until it was dead. Do I really like it? Should I like it? What's going to happen if she says no? It was fucking, you can't take a shit or get off the pot. You're just stuck in, in the middle, you know. No, I didn't, I don't, that's not attractive.
Yes, yeah. So you feel like you deserve it. Or that you don't. Deserve anything. Like, yes. What does that even mean? You know? What happened with me with that? Yeah. That's, that's a segment of recovery in our big book. It says that. It's, see, because this is a disease of the mental process, AA has a very good view of the mental process, to my view. Better than most things, most uh, spiritual books. Much better than me. Because it's, it's been in the gutter of the mental process. It's, it's got a sense of what it's really like to wrestle with it. Not when it, you're eating, eating bacon or this and that. I mean, when you've had a bottom, there was no out. There was no observer saying, oh, this is just a bottom I'm having. You were totally encased in that mental experience. I was. There was no way out. There was no escape. And that shifted everything. When there was an admittance, there was just a final admittance. I'm fucked. And I've been fucked for quite a while. But it dawned on me, I was thoroughly fucked. And something stopped. My whole life changed from that moment. And I'll tell you, I was in a trailer park, sitting with a guy I didn't know. I was drinking Royal Gate vodka, which is a very cheap vodka. It's about 80 cents a pint. And uh, I, was, I was pretty much, I had no money, and I was becoming a constant state. And that's a drag if you're a drug addict. It's really a drag. Because you really want something you don't have. And you're not happy about it. No matter how much socialization or civilization you went through, you're, you're ready to rip someone's throat out. Really, you're just flipped. So I was in that state, and I was looking, drinking with this guy. I was looking at him. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know how I got there. You know, but we were waiting, waiting for a mutual acquaintance. <laughs> Hopefully he got money. So I was looking at him like this, like I'm looking at Donna. And he had a big bulbous nose and very close veins all over his face. And I had a rec- real recognition that he's a bum, you know. And I looked at him, and it looked like he was looking at me like I was a bum. And for some reason, it was just a regular day at the office in that lifestyle, something occurred, a moment of clarity, we call it, in recovery. And it was almost like a portal opened up, yeah? and some news broke through the denial. And the news was, I'm screwed, literally. And everyone who knew me knew I'd been screwed for quite a while, but it was news to me, literally. It hit me, and it stopped the selfing. It startled it into submission, and a pause was forced on me, really, because I was just, I was the expression of that momentum going down, and I was just constantly spiraling down, down, down with a lot of force, yeah, my life going deeper, deeper bottoms. But that whole movement of selfing stopped, and I was just sitting there stunned, I didn't know what to do, and I didn't do anything, which was great. Because usually when I didn't know what to do, I did something, which caused a lot of shit hitting a lot of fans. So I was sitting there, didn't know what to do. The pause hit me, and I, it just crushed me, literally. And I got, went out to the phone, I called a program I'd lived in for two years that I'd left ten months before. As soon as I left, I started to drink and use again, and I ended up ten months later in this trailer park. And I called them, and I graduated from this program 24-7, two years, to Lancy Street. And I asked if I could come back, and they said no because they had been getting my newsletter for the last 10 months, and they knew that I'd been going out, and they said, you can come back in about a month for an interview. That doesn't mean you'll get in, but we'll interview you again. So uh, it was really crushing, and I had felt a sense of honesty I hadn't felt, and I told, said the first honest thing I'd said for 10 months, and that is, I don't have a month. Yeah. It was just obvious. 
just knew it was going to be terminal. It was just not. So I said, I don't have a month. So I got off the phone, and a girl came. I called up a nurse who I used to go out with. Many people in my condition go out with nurses. It's a strange little thing here, coincidences. <laughs> so I, I called up this nurse, and she had party with me quite a lot in the past. But I sounded very humble and beaten, you know. And I asked her, can you come up and get me up, you know, take me back to the city? It was about an hour and a half from the city I was at. This is here. I was in Calistoga near San Francisco. So she agreed, and she drove up there. And then an hour and a half, I had a miraculous self-centered recovery. I wanted to get loaded again. Just forgot all about the moment of clarity. I got in the car, and I started trying to talk her into buying a six-pack of Talls, you know, here and uh, <laughs> cops of coke, get the dirty magazines, rent the hotel room, you know? But she had followed that equation with me before. I don't think it had been that satisfying for her. So she said, no, we're not going to do that this time, Paul. <laughs> and she made a deal with me, similar to the deal Delancey Street made to me two years and ten months before, which was, I wanted a place to stay. And so Delancey said, yeah, you can stay here. You have to make a two-year commitment. <laughs> but I had. She, I, she said, you want, you want a place to stay? And I said, yeah, I do. And she says, you got to go to an AA meeting. I thought this was great progress. She's asking for one hour. The last time I had this deal, I made a two-year commitment. So I said, yeah, I'll go. So she took me to my first meeting, and my whole life changed from that point on. It's been 22 years now. So just five minutes of entertaining that portal, some, a solution came out of there that changed my whole little action figure destiny here. Why not if you turned around and looked at that? With your attention. To me. So... That's what sort of happened. You know, I was introduced to recovery and the principles they have. And after a period of time, I was introduced to another message that you hear here, a or whatever. And I attempted to, I didn't attempt, but it was obviously an easy thing to combine the two. I just started seeing. And then something shifted, and I didn't see myself as a self anymore. And then I actually recognized the true problem by the solution. By recognizing that I'm not a self, I realized it's identification as a self that's the true problem people are having, especially in alcoholism. They're totally entrenched in a product of a mental process. They're not here at all, literally. They're the most disassociated from the body you'll ever see. They're totally in a mental realm. And there's a lot of suffering in them. So... Then what, I just started to entertain that, and then this thing became more pronounced, and then that's what's happened. So I started just sharing it in recovery, and now I'm starting to share with other people, because that's where it's leaked out. That was the paper frame that the ocean leaked out into, is recovery. But I believe recovery has an incredible seeing of the problem, because it's suffering. It's the swing of the problem's expression, and it's not a problem, obviously. All there is is this, yes, but let's just look at it as, you know, in the dream, in the working-seeming dream, it's a fucking problem. <laughs> so there you go. That swing of the pendulum of duality in a person's life that's had been recovered and addictive is amazingly clear. How could someone, if they were this, be so much of that, and someone that's that could be so much of this? It's neither, yeah? So, I was placed, like we say in recovery, in a position of neutrality, with no thought or effort on my part. 
and the problem does not exist for me anymore. This is a damn good solution here. If a solution here can cause the problem not to exist for you, and it's a, let's say it's a problem as, as uh, large as that one was in my life, it's a damn good solution. So for me, everything here displays an, a principle. You can, in the, one, in the one drop of water, you can have an experience of the whole ocean. Yeah? You can get the whole sense of an ocean by one drop. You don't have to keep trying to, drop, to jump in the water. One drop can reveal everything. Yeah? One timeless moment shows the illusion of time. Yeah? One pause, and if you've ever been in a pause, you know, it has a real feeling. There's no time involved in it. It's an, it's, a, it could, it's an infinite moment. One moment here can have an infinite amount of whatever. Yeah. So here, in a way, most of us are living as a product of that mental experience. It's like a helmet we're wearing. And its, it's air is anxiety, really, because it entertains the importance of time so much future especially, and it can't help but frame the future with the, pre- the past, that it's locked in its own little world. And now you are in one of, the, one of its great suffering points. You want to get out of what you can't get out of because you were really never in it. That's been the solution for me. It's like, What's the best solution of getting out of something is to realize you're never in it. It does not take one second of time to get out of something you're not in. It's like, how do you get out of what's not happening? Realize it's not happening. Therefore, you were never in it. It doesn't take any time. And if there's no time, there's no doing and having. If there's no doing and having, there's no you. You and doing and having are same, same. Whose life would it be unless you thought it was, unless you thought you were the doer and haver of it? That's the brand of the mental experience on this life, and the claiming it, it's my life by taking the view that I'm the doer and haver of everything here. I'm the one who omitted or committed. I'm the one who did this or did that. Yes, it's constantly claiming, claiming because it doesn't have a life, so it claims one. Yeah. Once it claims one, life is now represented in a mental experience. And the mental experience downloads its effects into the body. So people get ill, neurotic, go crazy. And when they were two to three, they weren't crazy, nor ill, nor neurotic. Wonder and awe is forgotten. Now you're watching TV, watching all these super people doing super acts and thinking, wow, that would be great. Like if I did a more turbocharged act, I'd feel alive. And you can't think outside the box because thinking is a product of the box. But if you are the witness of that mental process, the only way the process is having such an impact is there's consciousness. Consciousness is the light. It's like here. If you were in this room and it was nighttime, someone turned the lights off, what would happen? A lot of problems would ensue. 
if I wanted to go to the bathroom and I wasn't familiar with where it was, I'd probably bump into you and then maybe I'd hurt you or I'd hit my knee on a chair or I'd have an accident because I can't find the bathroom or whatever. And so all these problems would ensue because we would take the darkness as what's so. And everyone would be running around getting like, you know, knee pads and or some ways of buying maps of someone who said they were once here when they could see where the bathroom was and they'd tell us, all right, this is how to get there. It'll take you maybe a lifetime or so, but if you follow this map, and you'll get there sooner or later. But why? I need relief now. Don't worry. You'll, you'll get it in the afterlife, whatever. And so we buy maps, and that's why, all based, because we have no seeing. We can't see anything. So we have to rely on what? You know? speculation and past and this and that. When all we need to do is entertain the light switch. If the light goes on, where do all the problems that are based on darkness go? They disappear. I don't need knee pads to navigate this room. I can see where everyone's sitting. I I can see where the bathroom is. I can see the exit sign. I can see this. I can see that. The same situation, totally different. Why? The darkness was taken to be something but all it is is the absence of light. So you and I being present as this causes us to give reality to darkness. It's called being ignorant. We're ignorant that the light is what we are. We're taking ourselves to be the product of the mental process, a body, a thinking body, a doer and haver, a mover and shaker one who's totally responsible yet wants to avoid responsibility. And were you ever like that? You're in a room and someone yawns, you feel like you're totally responsible. I must be boring. But then your whole life is to avoid responsibility. It's so heavy, I can't do that. It's all mental realm and there's a solution. It's being demonstrated, I feel, every second. Consciousness is verbing. It's like its way of loving you. Yeah? You can't get the tree, like Jesus purportedly said. You'll know the tree by the fruit. You just can't know the tree. It's just impossible. You can't get it. But you can know it by its fruits. Yeah, If the, if the fruits are good, the tree's good. If the fruits are bad, the tree's bad. A good true tree can't bring forth bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bring forth good fruit. It's quite obvious. Yeah? So, you'll know the tree by the fruit. So you'll see this as a product of a mental process. Why? Because you're conscious. You can see it. If you're this, you'll be unconscious to that. Seriously. If you're identified as this, you'll be unconscious to the natural seeing that sees this. You will. And so you'll be trying to look for what's seeing this (laughs) as this. I mean, it's an impossibility for this to see that. while this is seeing all the going on. Just a simple shift. It's not even a shift, but let's say it is. It's, I like the word emphasis. Emphasis. The emphasis leaves this because the emphasis is really on the mental experience because somehow the consciousness moving through this has became able to be identified as what it's moving through. And the mental process has steered it to that point. And the mental process has presented this to being what you are, and you are what's conscious. 
Yeah? You feel this is what's conscious. So the act of being conscious has been hijacked by the mental process. And now it says, I'm what's conscious. Yeah? So the beautiful news consciousness brings every moment this conscious of is being neutered by what's claiming it. I'm conscious of. So that can that gives me the right to be unconscious. Yeah? Or conscious. And the unconscious or conscious will usually be based on what you do or don't do. That, to me, is the act of playing God. That's what selfing does. The mental process plays God. It causes, it makes up what is the center of its universe, you, and then it gives meaning to its universe from this point of view, and it plays God. So in, in the mental realm, the past and future are much more important than now, obviously. You can see it every second of the day. What are you worried about? Something in the future. You're not worried about anything now. There's no need to. Now it's complete in and of itself. But the time can be so incomplete. So many things could happen there to me. Tons of realms and realms of imagining bad and good things. I can just get enthralled with it. And then I can go back into the past. But you believe it's a real space. It's all happening now. It's all made up. It's a mental realm. And your attention and interest is caught up in it because you're identified as it, as its product. Yeah. And if, if the mental process, well, when the mental process shuts down, which is temporary, cease operation, and there's just the, oh, there's simply awareness. There's no thoughts of anything. There's no thought. There's an awareness. There's no you even. There's, or there's no identification. Of it. There's just the awareness. this. Selfing could be going on, but you're not identified as it. So you see it instead of seeing from it. Selfing goes on. That's what the mental process does. Until it doesn't. But the mental process selfs. Selfing. That's what it's doing. It's fervent. Selfing. Selfing. But if, let's say, there's a break and there's no seeming, the selfing gets startled into, into submission, let's say, and there's still something going on, I would say you are that which continues to go on, not what can stop and start. I mean, when, there's, when there are situations in life, and not nasty ones, when, when you're surfing or you're making love certain times, there is an absence of selfing. All the emphasis goes somewhere else, and yet you're still continuing. So obviously that would be a pretty damn demonstration that you must not be that, because there's still a that when it ends. Yeah? Yeah, 
there's a lot of experiences here, and some of them are called joyous. Joy is an experience, yeah. Right. But for me, the, the basic underlying state isn't joyous, always expressing joy all the time. It's just like, I don't even know what it is. It's like it's, a, yeah. a vacuum. There's just all the goings-on and all the meaning about what's going on is sort of empty. Well, yes, it's, 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 it's sort of like... You, I would say the mind would probably hate it if it had an opinion of it, really. <laughs> because it's really nothing's going on. Yeah. It's not that exciting. It's just like dog shit awareness, really. You're just on all day. Yeah? So it becomes an un... It's like an optionless state while you're traveling and things are happening. But most of us, we were engaged in like... We were a popcorn popping with all the other popcorns thinking all the popcorns were popcorning for us, you know? Now that's out and so this is... You're the space where all the popcorn's popping. Sometimes it's joy, sometimes it is. Like people called me last night and asked me, are you having fun on the trip? And that's such a foreign question. I'd have to say, actually, I'm not having any fun, in a way. I don't know what's going on. It's just a vacuum of something, but <laughs> something's happening. But I wouldn't say I'm having a pisser. Yeah, It's just... You know, when I surf, there's a pisser happening, but this isn't a pisser to me, it's just, but there's this, like a contextual, I don't know, it's hard to put your finger on it. There's just a strong sense of this, of the sameness of, of the state of awakeness, let's say. Yeah. And then there's joy that happens in it, and stuff like that, and things go on, but I wouldn't say I'm in a constant state of joy, first of all, there's no one in the state. I'm not... There's just a constant state that I'm appearing in, really. <laughs> this is an appearance in a constant state. I'm not a constant state of, you know. <laughs> this is an appearance, and a constant state is witnessing Pauling, you know. <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of interesting. It's, for me, it intimates itself traveling. You know? And so sometimes you can't put your real finger on it. But after a while, you get it, because in time, there's an appearance, and in, in all, in, the, intim, the intimation of what's not appearing can sink in, yeah, as the appearing is going on, yeah? So, this is an expression, and yet you can, this expression, while it's going on, there's an intimation of what never actually happened or never is going to go on. It's always so, so it doesn't seem to be so. Yeah. It's weird. But I wouldn't say I'm joyous all day. No. I wouldn't say anything. Things just arise and then they disappear and arise and disappear. Disappear, rise, rise, do, 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 do. But there's an overall sense of context, which is a really, I, you know, man, for me, it's, obviously it's not for me, but, that is a, it's like an never-ending curiosity and alertness at the same time, yeah? Never a knowing, just an, an entertaining. There's no knowing, it's an entertaining. And it's always in that state of entertaining, yeah? It never goes, I've, I've entertained something, it's just entertaining. It's like an act that is not an act. It's like that thing they said yesterday. It's a movement, but it's stillness. It's, it's an incessant movement, so it's still. 
Yeah? It's like an incessant verb, so it's a noun in a way. It's the noun of all nouns. It's pure subjectivity, and yet it's being. Yeah? So you sense by sensing this, you sense that. By sensing that, that's its expression. By this expression, you know the tree. The tree, like this. So you're resting in total movement. You're like in, you're totally secure in insecurity. It's like all day. It's like putting your foot down and the stair appears. Maybe in the past you were hoping there would be a stair, so your attention was here. Now. <laughs> It's sort of like walking on water. If you look down, you'd probably drop in. But you're just walking. <laughs> How could that happen? What? <laughs> then it wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about the relationship between like selfing and conditioning and like just joy, like arising sort of. Like when you say that joy can Well, what it's like if it's not conditioned joy? your joy. So it's joy unclaimed. There's no you to have the joy. Yeah? Once you have a joy, then you have to not have it. That's the only way here in a mental experience you know joy, is by not having it and having it. Yeah? This is an unclaimed joy. There's no having it, nor not having it. It's like a peace. You can't have it, so you can't lose it. There's no having there's no claiming. There's just joy or there isn't joy. But the emphasis isn't on what appears, it's what's the space for things to appear. And that space is uninterrupted, always so, never a break, never coming to appear and never disappearing. Yeah? It's far, far incomprehensible to what appears or what notes appearances as being real. It's incomprehensible to that. So, it's unclaimed. Yeah. It's sort of like, in a way, if the mental system actually saw the expan- expanse of what was going on, it would kneel down in quietude. And it would shut the fuck up. If it had any sense of recognizing what's actually so. But it doesn't. So, in that arrogance, it keeps trying to claim it and make it an experience. But the wonder and awe 
of that space would put any person here on their knees yeah, if they got a sample of what it's like unclaimed by self. It would stop, it, could, it has the potential to stop anything in its tracks. It's incomprehensible. All that, all, all that, you know, if you, if you believe you're in a posture, the posture for me is entertaining. That's the only posture that is appropriate in my view, is entertaining. It's like it intimates whatever it is to whatever you're not. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Through the vehicle of what you are. Yeah? So whatever it is, through the vehicle of being conscious of, intimates to what you're not, what it is. So your mental process gets put in place, so to speak. You see that it's a mental process. It's the snake may not change its nature. It's, that's its nature. A mental process represents here. It thinks. It attempts to know. It attempts to understand. It attempts to define. It attempts to separate and, and partition because it's structured dualistically. It's a binary system. Either or, yes or no, right or wrong, love or hate, good or bad. And that's... it's. It can't comprehend anything other than that as that. Yeah. So consciousness, the tree, is demonstrating its fruits through consciousness of. Yeah. So the intimation occurs. If every act is preceded by being conscious of it, what is that preceded by? The bringer of this whole seeming experience, what is bringing that? All that can be done is entertaining. Where? Not in the time, but in the present awareness, because that's its currency, awareness. So you can and try to entertain it as a you, but that will fail, so you entertain it as that. Yeah? Why? Because you are that. You can never entertain it as that unless you are that. Most of us are attempting to entertain it as this, and that's where the frustration is ensuing to who? This. Because this can never embrace that because of this. The thisness of this precludes it getting that. It can only get it as that, as this. It has to make it an object to it being the subject. The mental expression is caught in its own system. It can't get out of it. No matter how much it says it wants to, it cannot leave what it is a product of. That's what occurs. You see that, hopefully. You get smacked into seeing it, or something like a brick falls from the sky and you see it, whatever. Or all day, there's the emphasis where people say, well, just sound, hear the sound of the bird and sense what that sense of presence feels like when you're hearing it. So really feel into the hearing of that or really stop and look at something and really get, let the looking carry you away. Yeah? Just look at something. Sense, so the verb of the consciousness, maybe just maybe, if our attention will go on it, it will 
intimate itself to our insaneness, I am that, instead of I want to know that is this, I am that. Maybe we're throwing rocks at a sky, you know? Who knows? But it's a nice thing to do here. Passes time, doesn't it? And you feel better. So, I'm going to hit that sky today. <laughs> they come down, hit you, and maybe that wakes you up. Oh, there you go. And hit that sky. The sky doesn't need to be hit. You do. Oh, oh wait a minute. Hey, I'm the sky. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. So for me, in a sense, all the, the, the day, that verb of consciousness, yeah, being conscious of, is like the touchstone. Emphasis on that, and then whatever. Yeah. Well, that awareness is always present, and obviously the mental process is a, you know, contained within the awareness. In, in, in awareness, there's nothing you can say. It, it, it's, it's aware. It's just, as you say, a conscious of. And so that is very evident. That's very obvious. Um, when the world starts. Have you ever noticed? Yes. When you say but, the world begins. But, yeah. But the but arises in that too. I mean, it, but it's... So, identification that aware... Okay, well, that's right. It's obvious. But there's... And it's obvious that this is aware. You, awareness perceives the awareness of this. You, you have to be aware to be aware of this. But it doesn't feel like it's the... <laughs> the essence that uh, <laughs> to who? Yeah, you see, there you go. Okay, that's so it. again, yes, you bring the process. No matter how far you want to go this way, it always brings you back to this. Yes. yes? Yeah. And when it finally gets brought back to this, and you're not this, that's that. Yeah? It's always going to keep bringing you. Right. I don't care yeah. how far you attempt to get to it and get to the outer fences of self-centeredness. You're defined by it. And it brings you right back. And then, yeah. see, what would happen if this, if you, if this, if you allowed its realness to be as real as it wants to be, you would see its nature as unreal. It's your wanting, it's your desire to make it seem to be unreal that gives it reality. Yeah. If you would let it just be as real as it wants to be, it would show its nature. It's unreal. When you're conscious, and you'd see it. That it's unreal. But the head is trying to make it unreal in so many ways. This practice right here and other things. And in that activity of trying to make it unreal, well, let's say you're trying to make its effects unreal in your life, that's making it real. <laughs> you can't get out of the Chinese thumb puzzle. Well, it's just, that's no, there's no acceptance. Essentially, any of those movements are not acceptance of this. Yeah. And yet, all those movements happen. And there can be acceptance of that. On one level, all those movements are a non-acceptance, and yet at the same time, all those movements can continue to happen, and there can be an acceptance of that. 
It just matters the emphasis. See, I would say, if you believe you have free will, exert it. Yeah? If you have a sense, hey, this is a good thing to do today, do it. Why is it there's tons of trying to analyze everything? Just go, you know, hey, I like to do that. Nothing's impeding me. Do it. What's the whole inspection of that for? (laughs) If there is no you, then all the things that you have determined happened because there was a you, (laughs) if there was no you, then why the hell did they happen? Who knows? They just happened. So if I have an inclination and it's to go to surf and there's waves and they're happening and I'm happening, there it goes, it's happening. Then the day just disappears because it's not really happening and there you go, you travel lighter. It's hard to see if everything happens and then as it just happens, it just sort of disappears really because it never actually happened. You get a feeling of that as you're traveling. It's just everything that you try to make so so real just disappears and the meaning just gets distributed and just like disappears into emptiness again. After a while, something, under, you know, has a sense of that. <laughs> so what happens? Yeah? If I feel like doing something and nothing stops me, I do it. I don't go, well, who's wanting to do that? <laughs> what the hell is that? I mean, that's total insanity. <laughs> Literally. If I sat there and analyze, so I wake up and I look at the surf report, and I have nothing to have to do that day, and the surf report's pretty good. I don't sit there and go, well, who is it that was <laughs> surfing? I just go surfing. <laughs> There's no you. Why do I, I want to look for one? <laughs> By its absence. <laughs> that would be youing. So, you know, I just go serve it. So it presents me a really nice dessert, I eat it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Wait, let me think. Let me think about this. Who's the eater of it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hate to be irrel- you know, irreverent because I know people are seeking. So. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's things you like to do, yeah? When I walk into a room, I mean, how many people walk into a room and actually just have that experience? Most of it is they're thinking about who's, who's going to be in the room, what I look like, what people are going to see me as, are my zippers, my zipper down, are my pants too short, da 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 There's all mental experiencing going on all day, yeah? Surfing would suck if the mental experience dominated it. This is, an, this is a mental experiential take of surfing. Let's say you're out there surfing, you know, whatever, riding waves, this and that, going off. It's really incredible. You're really intermingled in a lot of different mediums. Yeah? There's wind and there's sun sometimes and there's the water. And it's very, very uncontrollable. And it's obvious alertness is necessary. You get really whacked and everything like that. The mental experience is just hoping someone saw you from the shore catch a wave. <laughs> See, it doesn't really care about surfing. It wants to be a surfer. It wants to be recognized as someone that does something. That's its whole desire. Really. It could care less about catching a wave. But it wants to be seen catching a wave. This is like the mental realm. Yeah? It's constantly wanting approval or feeling it's getting disapproval. It's all, it's like living in a giant hallway of mirrors and it's seeing its reflection in everything. And there's, it's not real. Nothing is reflecting selfing. One bit. It's 
the projection of selfing onto things, and then those things seem to reflect it. And it lives in this lovely world of mirrors, where it's the center. Everywhere it looks, I'm the one that's looking. Everything I hear, I'm the one that's hearing. Everything that happens, it's happening to me. It's unfucking believable Talk about traveling heavy. Jesus Christ. So you're trying to figure out how to travel light, but you're carrying the biggest rock around all day. This idea of being the center of the universe. Put, drop the rock. Put it down. Walk away. Oh no, there was something I left there. Exactly. Oh, my life got very simple. One of the things happened is the head likes to exclude things. Yeah? If I do this, I can't do that. If I have something like this, I can't have something like this. Then suddenly, just inclusivity took over. I can make money and surf. I had never entertained that in my life. I always thought either I'm going to be working and then I'll have to surf on weekends. I can make money and surf. I can do what I love to do basically almost all the time if I want to. And still have a, a living being made. My mind never entertained anything like that before. It always entertained I have to give something up to get something else. And when I do something I love, there'll be punishment for doing it. Just like in those slasher movies. You ever see when the slasher usually appears? It's when a teenager is just going to have sex. As soon as the teenager is ready to have sex, boom, 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 he gets starved. Yeah? So it's like, oh, if you get what you want, you have to pay for it. You're going to suffer. Anything that's nice, you're going to have to suffer if you do it. It's fucking insanity. It's insane. It is insane to live in there. This thing is totally crazy. It's playing judge, jury, defendant, prosecutor. <laughs> You're either getting convicted, sentenced, or on probation. Constantly. Constantly. You have to take this whole case and bring it to the court of light. You really do. When you bring it to the court of light or singularity, all... All your quote-unquote sins, all your omissions and committings get released. Yes, you're absolved. Yes, it's okay to do what you love. Yes, it's okay not to do what you love. It's okay. Instead of trying to get to feel okay, you have a sense of okayness. Yeah. You lose all this insane interest in these convoluted ideas of what things mean to you, and your interest goes to other things. It spreads itself out. You're walking around, you see things in the sky, you look, it's like you're open and available. It's not up the ass of self, living up in there. Denying how much it stinks. Making it say, oh, I'm doing really great. Look at what I have, but you stink. Fucking in the source of shit. Oh, no. It's getting really good here. I got a good location in hell. Where I live, it's one degree hot, less hot than all the rest of hell. I'm, going, I'm making myself in the world. All right, sure, that's what you like. You know, it's like it being in the same asylum. You think the person who has the bed nearest the door is closer to getting out. You're all in the insane asylum. Fucking, you're not escaping from it. Oh, I like their position. All right, sure. I'll work hard to get there. All right, so you get the first cracker at night instead of the last one. There's a freedom from all that, yes? You can't get freedom as that. You cannot freedom get you cannot get freedom as that by that. You can't. It's impossible. I, we would have tried, it would have worked if in drugs. I was a total devotee of drugs. No one could have done it better than I did for those years. I swear to God. I shot up 
tons of drugs. And I stayed up seven to ten days in a row, a lot of times. I pushed it as far as I could go, and there was no fucking transcendence ever. There is no escape as a self from self-centeredness. None. If there was, we would have found one of those exits. We would have. We have been searching for a long time, all of us, to get out of this fucking box. And all we end up is trying to make it a little more bearable. And all the solutions here turn into fucking problems, don't they? Yeah, you meditate incessantly for ten years, your knees are shot. <laughs> There's always some way you're getting bit in the ass, you know? Like when I was a macrobiotic, the center of my universe was my intestine. All my intention was there. I was just, how is it feeling? I spit God. It was unbelievable. It's like my attention interest could have been on tons of things, and it all, right here. How's my intestine? Oh, I, I eat that fucking... You know, multi-grain cracker. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'd go into saunas and not sweat. I took macrobiotics so serious, I never drank any liquid. Just bancha tea. All I drank. I was 220 to sauna, no sweat would be produced. I was dry like a piece of papyrus with the hopes of getting better. <laughs> it's fucking insanity. Seriously. <laughs> here, or maybe the way you look here, or most of it's all here. The intestine is not here, actually, it's here. Your body image that you're concerned about is not here, it's here. It's the mental concept of the body you're absorbed in, not the body. It's the mental concept. If you're identified as self, you're in a mental realm. No matter how much physicality you think is going on, it's all mental. You're in the total mental realm. Yet there is a context of it which is conscious. And it's demonstrating itself every moment you feel you are the sense of being a self. All times. At all times the solution is afforded. What happens if your attention goes on being conscious instead of being hijacked that I'm conscious? What do you think that attention will be used to reveal? Consciousness. Instead of constantly being used to reveal you as what's conscious. Yeah. If, my, if the attention is put on the act of being conscious, what is intimated? Consciousness. If my attention is put on the act of the reaction of the mental process to conscious contact, which is I'm in conscious contact, what's my attention going to do? It's going to keep me bound to the idea of being Paul. The same attention frees me in every moment or binds me in every moment, in a sense. Yeah. It matters where it rests. If it rests on the act of being conscious, because you're conscious, you can notice that. Yeah. Or is it resting on I'm conscious, which causes you to be unconscious of what? Consciousness. And if you're unconscious of consciousness, you're living as if your consciousness exists. That's the mental realm. And there's no solution in the mental realm as a product of the mental realm. How are you ever going to get out of there? You can shoot as many drugs as you want, and you're never going to transcend it. You can do as many walks around the Ganesh statue, you're never going to transcend it. You can pranam as many thousands and millions of times, there's never going to be a transcendence of it. It could if it would. It can't. It can't get out. The product 
believes it's not the product of a mental process. It actually, that's why it's so frustrated by the mental process. It has a, a feeling it could get out of it. It's the biggest illusion of all. The pro, it wants to get out of the process because it doesn't take itself to be the product of the process. So it's constantly, this thing's driving me crazy, but it's a product of that. Yeah. It's like a glove. The hand has forgotten it's a hand. Everything it experiences is interpreted through the glove. So the glove tells me, what does this feel like? Oh, it feels rough. Why? Because I have a rough glove on. Is this thing isn't rough. I don't know what the hell it is. I'm, I'm relying on the glove to tell me what's going on. I'm conscious, but the consciousness is sheathed by an identification as a body. So I'm meeting things seemingly as a body. I'm meeting thoughts as the thinker of it. That's like the act of wearing a glove. Everything I'm touching and by thinking and this and that is being interpreted by the, the format of the glove. The glove is a product. It's not infinite. It's not ultimate. It's finite. And it's made and constructed. And it can only deliver the message that the gloveness makes it deliver. It can't entertain a gloveless message. The gloveless message will be interpreted by the glove once again. Self can't get out of self. 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 Does self want to get out of self? Unbelievably. That's being in self. So you can acknowledge things. What happens is the acknowledgement gets claimed by a self, the, the mental process. So sometimes you feel something in your gut, or you come to a meeting. Maybe, maybe not this one, but others where you have a reson- you resonate. That, that word people like to use. It resonates. Yeah. But how that is claimed is it becomes it resonated to me. The me is what you're not. The resonation was an event. Yeah. Here, it happened. But it didn't happen to you. That's where the event gets interpreted. So the event is an event that's happening, but then it becomes an event that's happening to you. That puts it into the mental realm. Yeah? And then, it, then time is added to it, so you go, I, didn't, I haven't had that many events like this. And other people have had more events, so they must be much more progressive than I am on the path, and I'm going to take the path they did, so I can have, you know what I mean? More events in the future. So the event isn't just seen as an event, it's now seen through the, uh, the lens of time. I haven't had this event much, I want to have this event. So now desire arises to have what? That event, yes? All this occurs in the mental realm. The seeing of it is not of the mental realm. It is just the seeing of it. The seeing of it is happening at all times as the mental realm is representing the seeing, as you looking. So there's your solution, right, where the seeming activity of the problem is. Like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you are looking for. 
What's the dilemma there? If what's looking is what you are looking for, and in both st- the little segments of the statement there's looking in both, then I would say the looking is it. Yeah. So what's looking, I like to say what's seeing. You know, I'll say what's looking is what you're looking for. What would happen if you just took the U out? You would see what's looking is looking for. What's the problem? What's looking is looking for. Consciousness is conscious of. What's the problem? What's looking is what you are looking for. The you is what changes everything. Yeah? What's looking is looking for. Tell me what the problem is there. I'm, a, I'm sensing what's looking is looking for. All day. I'm looking for a place to eat later. You know, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. What's the problem? The you. What's looking is what you are looking for. Everything changes. Yeah? Because the you distributes meaning to the looking for. It also distributes meaning to the looking. And the meaning it gives to looking is it's not you. <laughs> and the you gets the meaning that it's you. And now it's really important what you look for because you're really important. And the what lo- what's looking gets very underemphasized. Yes? The mental process goes beep. I'll just make that important as a concept in the mental process, but not the real deal. I don't really want to be free. I want to want to be free. Yeah? I want to want to be free as a me. Freedom is from me. I don't want that. I want to be free as a me. I want everything to get better, just as I am. I want to get a better self. I want to improve self. Yeah? Yeah. So you see that. I'm not that. That's my only hope here, in a way. I'm just sharing a way that I go about it, and it's not even a way. I don't like the approach of describing what that wonderful, non-describable place is. I just want to describe what's not happening. See the construction of selfing. See that it's a verb. There is no noun. The noun is what the verbing makes up an illusion of. Yeah? You get a sense, consciousness forgets itself and starts taking itself to be a product of a mental process. Yes? It fuels the whole movie and it doesn't realize it's the light that's fueling the movie and now it wants to get out of it. As one of the objects in the movie. <laughs> How could the object get out of the movie? It would be another segment of the movie. It would be the segment of the object gets out of the movie. But that's not getting out of the movie. It would just be another segment, another segment, another... Oh, and now the object's back into the movie. Oh, Jesus. And so, being self-centered, the object must have done something that brought him back into the movie. So let me start doing something that will bring me out of the movie. Oh, that's the movie. What's the problem with looking for, if there isn't a you? It's the you. The you. So what's looking... Take the you out looking for. Tell me where's the problem. So what's looking is looking for. End of story. Isn't that an incredible time saver? I love those statements. They just stop in your tracks. Like four words. Instead of 800 pages. What's looking? Looking for. Isn't that what's actually happening? What's looking seems to be looking for here. He's saying what it's looking for is what's looking. And every act of looking for, what's looking is available. But not as the you that's looking for. Because the you claims to be something that that really is. It claims to be the subject, and that's the true subject. What's looking? 
So now we're trying to look as, for the true subject as an object to our subject. <laughs> and it's, ooh, it's, it's not working, is it? How many meanings have you come to? So without making it subjective, you just have consciousness It matters to you. You have preferences, but it doesn't matter to you. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, when I got, uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago now, I was was in the water and I hit my head on the bottom, you know. And I had hit my head on the bottom in 2000 in Australia, got a bad concussion. So I hit my head on the bottom, and hitting the head on the bottom, thank God I hit straight, my body just uh, shut down. The, the, the impact must have compressed on the nerves and my whole apparatus shut down. Yeah? And my arms and legs went numb, which was an experience I had never had here. And I thank God I landed on my back because I couldn't move. Yeah? I never had that experience. There was no movement. I mean, the, the, the trunk couldn't move. The arms and the legs were... And so I was just laying in the water and I was trying to ask for help, but I had no breath in me. So my help, I was going... Somebody, but very low, and two women walked, they were in the water, they swam by, they didn't know what was going on, but someone had been on the wave with me, a surfer, another guy, and he did. So he came over, and the whole event was like framed in this incredible light. So as an experience, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Now, in the story, you would say, that sucked, that's a terrible experience, but the real living through it, it was a really outrageously cool experience. Having your whole body, I never experienced that, now I can say I did. My whole body shut down. The nerves just went kum, and I was, and it was like a minute or two. Then my arms came back first, and then my legs. But I could have been paralyzed for life. Who knows? So then I'm laying there, and then they take me out, and they put me on this board, and the paramedics come, and I'm just sort of. But it was weird. I could everyone that was around me, I could tell who I could trust or not. I just looked at them, and I could see. No, you wouldn't want to rely on that person. <laughs> and then they cut me out of the suit, and they put me on this thing, and they took me to a hospital. Yeah. But it was, what the hell? What are you going to do? And I had some experience I never had before. So it was sort of pretty interesting. And my shoulders for days burnt like there was an ember inside there. I must have really pressed the nerve that goes here. So it was like I never had that experience. If your finger even came close, because, you know, your brain thinks your body's out here. It doesn't see this. Your brain, they've, they've studied it. It does not picture the body as this. When you're driving a car, the brain thinks the car is your body. If you're adept at painting, the brain actually encompasses that brush as your hand. That's why if I'm a, I was a house painter, you could feel like you could feel the 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 brush, the, the uh the hairs of the brush moving the paint on a night when you're cutting a really nice line. Because at that point, the brain had encompassed that, yes? When you're doing something you love to do, the brain isn't seeing the body as doing it. The whole act is doing That's it. I mean, everything they're discovering in neuroscience totally disputes the self-centered point of view. The brain is not seeing self-centeredly, yes? The brain. The mental process is producing an idea of being a self and claiming all the activities of this apparatus. But the activities of the apparatus are not being run by self-center. It's not, it's not self-central up there. It's definitely not. It's just an addition. It's another act that's happening in here. But it's, it's the one that presents a you that you think is everything happening to. So they are also showing these, there's these mirror neurons that when they see someone do something, 
Your brain sees it as if it's doing it. It doesn't see any difference. That's why you feel empathy at times. When you see someone suffering, the neurons of your brain mirror that event and you sense it because you're having the experience as they are, in a way. There is no body, individual bodies and this and that. It's all fucking made up. And all of it's made up. So this thing they call body steamers, your brain has ideas. That's why they call it when people have a arm cut off and yet they still have pains, because the brain still sees the arm. When someone has an amputation and they have pain, they complain about, man, my right arm is really hurting, and they don't have a right arm. There's no need to have an arm to feel pain. It's a brain's, it's entertaining the idea of an arm. The experience of the pain of the arm isn't in the arm, it's in the brain. The brain is, has manufactured a sense of a body. It's an extension of something that's entertained. And your body, they say, is your, your body is actually the, all around you from this, where your fingers can go. And this all supports shamanism when they talk about the illuminated orb, that you're a light body that goes all the way here. Yeah? So your brain has you like this. So you're a space. Part of you as a body is space to the brain. Now, the mental process does not entertain that. It obviously doesn't. It entertains you as this, this alone. But the brain isn't entertaining that. The brain is seeing this as your space. So that's why when you feel someone has invaded your space, like a close talker, you know, when they're too far up, it feels like they're in your space. Well, in fact, it is an experience that they're in what you call your space. The brain is thinking this is you, yeah? It's just, and they can't find any source of consciousness. The brain people are trying to, they're so into the brain, they're thinking brain produces consciousness, but they can't find the source of consciousness. So now they're saying, well, I think it's all these different areas of the brain activity that produce the sense of consciousness, because uh, this identification is so strong, we can only find the solution in a physicality. They don't entertain that consciousness is, manifesting through the brain. Yes? Yeah? Yeah, because the conscious, the brain is like the lenses when we were talking about the other day as the telescope. Yeah? When, this, when the scientist looks through the telescope, the lenses allow him to have an experience that the stars are closer. They haven't moved. If you see the event, the stars have not moved closer to the telescope. But perceptually, it seems that they are. So the brain is like the lenses. Consciousness is moving through this apparatus, and it manifests a world, like a dream. And even the dream we don't know about. We're not even clear about the dream as a dream object. We're thinking this is it, and yet while we're thinking this, the brain is, is, is thinking is, this is the body. Yes, <laughs> All this space is the body. And when I'm painting, that's my hand the whole brush, or when I'm in a board, or whatever, the whole event, or when you're driving, the whole car is you. That's why people flip out when they're driving, yeah? Hey, that guy just turned in my mind. Tons of road rage and all this shit happens. This is, we're so out to lunch, <laughs> self-centeredness, we don't have a freaking clue what's going on. Even what we call our realm, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah? And so you could say that's your energy body. Well, which one would be would 
which is more, which is previous to the other one. I would say the energy, obviously, but no, this is what's established as us. Because the mental process has claimed this as its ally. This is what convinces, makes the story of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity concrete, is perception of a body. Because yeah, I, I can see you as different, so therefore the thoughts that are happening in this must be different than the thoughts that happen in you. Yes? The we-ness would totally eradicate most of our dilemma, but it's always I-ness we're seeing from. We're never I, me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my. That's the whole solution in recovery, is you see the we of it. You see that you've been taken over by a parasite. Let's say this. Let's say we have a little time. Let's say you have candida. You ever hear of candida? Candida is like a fungus that causes a lot of dilemma in the physicality of people and their digestion, yeah? And it can cause a lot of other things. They're now thinking it causes sinus problems, everything like that. Candida is like a fungus. It's one of the oldest things seemingly here. So candida is in your body, and it needs food. It needs something, yeah? So candida actually hijacks or jacks into your system and tells you that you love white flour or bagels, let's say. So you, being so self-centeredness, you don't even see that you're getting a, a message from some other thing that's inhabiting the space you think you are, and it's trying to get you to get what it wants. So you start really loving flowery pastries, and you're thinking you have a big story about how much you love flowery pastries. It's being driven by a bug in you, a candida. So because it can't go shopping, obviously. You know? So it's in the intestine. It says, hey, I want some food. How am I going to get it? They, if you see, there's a film of ants. A mushroom spore lands on the ant. The spore burrows in, and it hijacks the ant. It hijacks, it boots into the brain of the ant, and it convinces the ant to move underneath this, into a wet, dank place, where mushrooms like. The ant is the carrying, because the spore can't get to where it wants to go. It doesn't have spore legs. So it hijacks this little vehicle called ant. The ant obviously is thinking it's going to this place the whole time, if it's self-centered. <laughs> and then once it gets underneath that dank little leaf, the spore kills it, the mushroom actually kills it, and then it pops out of the ant, and a mushroom pops out, and starts growing right out of the ant's body. So the ant has been taken over by this other expression called a mushroom, and is used for transportation. In this same scenario, in, in this life, many people have been taken over by the parasite of alcoholism. Or like in India, they would call them deep mental grooves, or samskara, right? I think it's samskara, yeah, samskara. So a deep mental groove. To me, I view, as a metaphorical picture, I view alcoholism as a parasite. So the parasite takes over the, the host, yeah? And the parasite wants certain fuel, and its fuel is produced by introducing alcohol in the body, and then the body breaks it into acetone, and then it creates a craving for more acetone. Really, that's what happens in an alcoholic body. So the brain, it can't drink, yeah? It doesn't have a mouth. I mean, the alcoholism, but it wants fuel, to, to it, because it wants to fuel its expression. It's taking you over, and how it can express through you in a really glorious way is give it its fuel, and it'll really go to town. So it convinces you against all evidence contrary. Like, I mean, you've had your ass kicked every time you've ever drank or used, 
and but it makes it sound like a good idea. It says, oh, Jesus, yeah? Usually what it would do is it brings you to a point of fuck it. That's what happened with me. You know it's no way I'm going to do something. No fucking way. But then things start, started being interpreted. You're never going to meet somebody. They're planning on firing you. It starts, it's like a weatherman forecasting lousy weather. And you're starting to buy it. We call it false evidence that starts to appear real. Yeah. So it starts running this advertising. And the advertising always brings you to a point of fuck it. And when you say fuck it, it, it offers its solution. Let's get loaded. Yeah. Well, let's go sleep with my best friend's wife or something. You know, it's some insane thing. And if you comply, now you give your arm to the parasite and you reach for its fuel. Yeah. You pick it up and you drink. So let's say you were having trouble with relationships before you have the drink. And a month later, you're now up on stalking charges. Yeah? <laughs> before you were on probation, you're now in jail again. Yes? You were worried about being fired. You are fired. Now you're homeless. Everything gets expanded in the film, in the movie. It goes to town, and it makes it almost like a surround, a surround sound experience. There's seemingly no way out. Yeah? The parasite is taking the host over, this apparatus. This apparatus is always, in a sense. And it's now using it for transportation and expression. And all the while, this is the amazing thing, because the parasite that some of us were taken over as this is a very hostile parasite. If you have never been taken over by alcoholism addiction, it is usually not a nice ride for the host. You usually get limps and no teeth and abscesses and bad shit happens to you over this. When it's running, frolicking around in life with you as its transportation, you get really beat up like a car. <laughs> so it has to have an incredible strategy to keep taking the host over, yeah? or to keep the host in obeyance to the takeover. What is the greatest strategy of all? The parasite has convinced the host that it's the parasite. It's infected the presentation of you as a self, and it's using that presentation to express through. And everything it expresses into your life, you claim it to be you. All you're acting out, it was you that acted out. All the anxiety I've been dealing with every day, it's been you that has the anxiety. It's a product of something else. You didn't have tons of anxiety unless you were in an abusive situation. When I was a kid, I didn't have any anxiety at all from about two to five. It's only when the thinking started that anxiety became a possibility. It was just what was happening. When I didn't get what I wanted, I'd flip out and then I'd be okay. It was so fast, everything. Yeah. What happened? It's like being taken over. And the insanity of it is anything could take us over here and we claim its expressions as ours. And if you claim its expressions as ours, you can never entertain being free of it because you're identified as it. All you can do is entertain getting a therapy or maybe uh, just you just keep offering more of your life, but it just it's gluttonous. It will just keep taking more. You know what I mean? It will just keep taking more. More and, your, more, and more of your life will be a an area of expression for it, every aspect of you. For me, like, you know, when I was a kid, you have that youthful potential and there's some kind of glow in you. After years of alcoholism, I remember I was with a woman who knew me when I was young. She really liked my energy and says, you know, Paul, it's out now. The parasite's totally, you know, she didn't say it that way, but you're not, it's gone. You're just dead to that. You know? So you're being used for transportation, running around, and all the while, 
it has a perfect hiding place because you never think I'm not that. You never do. Or if you think you're not that, you think it has that. So it keeps, it just, you, there's no way of escaping it. Yeah. And you won't know. It's like you will not know the real dilemma of selfing. If you, and we're in here calling it a dilemma. Obviously it isn't a dilemma, but give me a break with that stuff because people are suffering too. So let's, let's look at it as a dilemma. So in that dilemma, there'll be a recognizing of it, but you're recognizing as it. So it, it, you, there's no escaping as a self from the effects of self. That's the dilemma in a way. And I found there's no way out, because if there was, I would have found it. I mean, at least in that one avenue of drugs, because I was a perfect drug addict. I mean, it was my total preoccupation for every minute I was awake every day for years. I'd given up everything for it. Talk about devoted, I gave up everything for it. Every freaking thing. Whatever came in a way, nothing was prior. Put in front of that. Everything. I loved cocaine. It was the, the greatest love of this life was cocaine. I would do anything to do it. Women were just something I got high on when I was in a relationship with coke. That's all. It was nothing to do with anything. That, so if that couldn't tra- if I couldn't find it that way, it's not to be found. Yeah. Now, if I looked at my spiritual process, there'd always be a doubt because I wasn't the greatest meditator. I didn't see every teacher. I didn't give up everything and move into the ashram. So there always could have been this yet. Well, if I would have done that, then may have we worked. But I've seen it. It's ridiculous to me. Yeah. I don't see that there's any yet there. It's just there's no possibility of transcending this place as an, as an action figure of this place. I don't care what you do, the greatest thing or the worst thing. So, well, there you have it, in a way. Sit with that news and see what occurs. Yeah? See, other defeat in AA is, is actually victory. Total collapse is expansion. It's just the way it goes. When the head is holding out with some kind of relevance, this is never going to let go. When you see that it's totally irrelevant, there is no way to get out of what you think you're in. Hopefully that will back as an imaginary springboard, because you don't need a springboard. You're not in it. You're the context that's causing it to seem to be so real. Without consciousness, it wouldn't even have been a passing thought. Because it would never have been noted. Consciousness is all there is. The mental aspect of process is just appearing in it. Because everything appears in it, because it's conscious. What brings anything to light here? Light. That's the only thing that can do it. Light brings everything to life. Your worst constant feeling is brought to light by light. Your highest joy is brought to light by light. Why not turn the light upon itself? Light as light. Like Taoism says, you know, turn the light upon itself, not you, upon itself, light. So, let's take a break, eh? If you have any questions, hopefully you'll forget them by the time we get back. (laughs)